Hey friends, I want God's favor on your life. I want God's help, whatever's going on. We, we definitely want that for you here. And so before we dive into the book of Exodus, I'm just going to bless you. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, right? I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you all in Jesus' name that you would know Jesus more wonderfully. I bless you that you'd receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance of God that you need, the help from God that you need. I bless you to flourish and prevail in whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope. I bless you to feel peace. I bless you to feel love. I bless you to feel joy, whatever is going on, that you would feel those, those things because of the Holy Spirit and, the, and the, the joyful reality of God. I bless you with that in Jesus' name. May it be. Amen. Okay, today we are wrapping up our study of Moses. We are, we are wrapping up our study of Moses and the nation's time at Mount Sinai. And we are, um, we're, this is a place where the, the nation spent eight days short of a Jewish lunar year there and uh, camped at this mountain learning about how awesome God is, learning about the things that can bring God's favor into our lives, while also learning how to avoid the dreadful realities of, of not having God's favor, instead his, his um Oh, frustration. I have this frustration directed at you. It seems like at this year at Mount Sinai was to help Moses and really everyone discover just how wow God is. How incredible God is. And, and to, to discover there's really nothing more uh, wonderful worth pursuing of this God who loves us and cares about us than to have his favor flowing over every aspect of our lives. How to get that favor and how to enjoy that favor of God. Before they came to Mount Sinai, they knew that God did incredible things. Right? They saw the plagues. They saw the Red Sea part, and They enjoyed the, the works and activities of God and his rescue and his redemption of them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They knew God could do the impossible. But here at Mount Sinai, they understood that God isn't just worthy of worship and worthy of following because he does awesome things. They, they discovered that God is worth worshiping because he is innately wow. Like that he is just, whether he does something awesome or not, he is worthy because he is just incredible. And so they would see the, the, the mountain on fire and, and it's God concealing a lot of his glory and yet he is there and there's the earthquake and the lightning and the thunder and, and, and they would see the incredible wow of God uh, with, with whatever is going on. God's people always, uh, though, wanted to, uh, we always need to keep moving from step one to step two. Step one being, I worship and follow God because of what he does, what he can do for me. And he does extraordinary things, especially through Jesus. You know, Jesus, the cross, salvation, uh, rescue, hears, helps, guides, you know, all that. We, sometimes we can just praise God for what he, what he does for us. But step two of the maturing process is moving from not just worshiping God and following because for what he does or might do for us, but following because he is innately incredible. He is so wow, whether he acts on your behalf or not, whether he hears or answers, or he'll hear it, whether he answers that prayer or not. And so here at Mount Sinai, we get the joy of, of seeing the nation having experienced the wonders of God, now being able to glimpse the wow of God and, and how that drove them forward. 
So at Mount Sinai, they, they learn about what God is like, and then they also get to learn about what he likes, what he likes. And so there was a lot of laws which we didn't go through. But you've got a, you know, a book and a half or two of, of laws and things that to us seem really tedious, but they're super important as the nation learns. What is our God like? What does he like? How, how, how can we live in such a way that pleases him so that we get his favor, his favor in our lives? At the mountain, they, they also established... Uh, they also learned how to worship God, and there was some progress through that, that journey. Uh, at first, they had, like, they set up an altar at the base of the mountain where some young men would, would lead the, the worship of God at the, at the mountain there. And then you would, have, um, you would have Moses setting up a tent of meeting outside the camp, which we didn't really talk about, where Moses would go and meet with him, and some people who wanted to acquire the Lord would go outside the camp. And then finally, as we talked about a few weeks ago, God established the priesthood and the temp tabernacle of God in the midst of the camp, in the middle of the camp. And, and it was designed, their, their worship was designed, how does God want to be worshipped? They get it wrong a few times. I know how God would love to be worshipped. A big party with a golden cow. Uh, no, that, that's not the case. Uh, there, there's other stories we, didn't, we aren't going to talk about. Uh, Nadab and Abihu thinking, I know, we'll bring unauthorized incense and fire, and he'll love that because we love that. No, no, actually, God, God is just teaching them, you want to worship me. This is how I like it. This is how I want it to be. And so they've been learning that God is wow and, and incredible, but also what he likes and how to, and how to worship him, how he wants to be worshipped. So they, learned, they, had the, they had the golden cow uh, thing that, that they tried and failed on, and uh, again, 3,000 people died. But then there was a plague, and thousands more died in that process. Today in our study, and, and really the last one that we're going to look at, at at their time at Mount Sinai, they, they've been in this place of rest, uh, really resting from the trauma of Egypt, you know, a trauma of slavery, and, and now they, they, they've been in this place of rest, and now they're about to move forward into the challenge of faith of moving forward with God from here. And, and you know, receiving the promises of God, it's going to be some faith challenges, I'm going to give it away, they don't do a good job, they actually fail in the process, and, and there's delay, 40 years. But, but they're, they're, they're about to step into this delay, and the one thing that I want to mention here um, when it comes to where we focus, we're going to skip the census chapters. We're not going to talk about the census, fun as it might sound. Um, I can't read the names, so we're going to skip that. Um, we're, going to, we're not going to talk about the ordination moment of the priests, although we've kind of hinted a little bit about that. And they're going to celebrate the Passover, and then they're going to start walking. But we're right near the end here. But we we're going to talk about Exodus 33, where Moses kind of has this, okay, um, God, we're about to move forward from here conversation, and we're going to see what is the last thing, the, the last thing that Moses is pursuing before they're about to get up and, and, and head, out of, head out of Midian. So I'm going to be starting reading in Exodus chapter 33, and starting in, in verse 12, Moses said to Yahweh, now I'm just going to use uh, is Lord here, the, the actual Hebrew word is God's name, Yahweh, and I'm going to put that in because um, it just makes more sense. Like, my name is Yahweh, that is my name. You know, it, it just makes more sense because that's actually what is here in the Hebrew. So Moses said to Yahweh, look, you have told me, lead this people up. It's go time, right? But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. God, you've said that I have favor. 
Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Give me your favor, teach me your ways so that I may know you and find favor with you. There's progression there. Now, consider that this nation is your people. Okay, there's going to be a lot in this chapter, that, or in this, in this section here that we're going to be talking about. But don't miss the fact of what we've already known about Moses and his time at Mount Sinai. Mo nobody has seen more of the wow and the incredibleness of God at Mount Sinai than Moses, right? He saw God, he met God at the burning bush at Mount Sinai. He, saw, he went into the cloud and the smoke and the fire and the lightning and, and all that kind of stuff. At least 80 days, probably more than 80 days. He, he had a meal with God where they saw God at this meal. God, he has had these extraordinary moments. He's been meeting with God in the tent of meeting where God's speaking to him as a man speaks with his friends. Moses has had so many incredible glimpses of how extraordinary God is. And so knowing and having seen and realized how amazing God is, what is it that Moses wants? What is it that Moses wants? is hungry for, make in my last request here, God, before we go up from here, what is it that Moses is seeking? The one who has seen so much about God? Favor. Moses, he sees what God is like, the wow and wonder of God, and that's like, okay, if I can have one thing going forward in my life, I want your favor. Because the favor of the wonder, this wonderful God of mine is going to impact everything on our journey moving from this place going forward. He's just obsessed about it. Here's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be captivated by how incredible and wow and extraordinary God is, how extraordinary Jesus is. We're just the wow and wonder, we're supposed to be captivated by that. And when we get it, we realize that the greatest aim that we can receive as people who've been rescued and saved and forgiven by the God of the Bible, by Jesus, what is the greatest aim that we can pursue? Walking with the favor of God over all of our lives. Like how wonderful would that be to have his favor in every aspect? You know, why do I say no to this, even though I really love that? Because I want the favor of God in my life. Why would I push myself in this area financially or whatever the case may be, or, or in serving or helping or whatever? Why would I push myself? Because I want the favor of God in my life. It's like running after the, the favor of God. Since they're about to leave the mountain, Moses knows that there are challenges ahead. It's challenging. It's been challenging the whole time. And so he's like, God, send me forward, but send me forward with your favor. I want, I want your favor. So he asks for that, and this was God's response. Verse 14. And God replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. Yahweh answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, please, let me see your glory. What an awful moment to pause, but <laughs> it's about to get good. It's, it's about to get good here, but, but God basically says at this moment, you have my favor. 
So then what does Moses want? Show me more. Show me more of what you want, which is amazing. I mean, you've you've met God at the burning bush, and you've got the fire, and you're walking in the clouds, and the smoke, and the lightning, and you've heard God's voice, and he's handed you the Ten Commandments written on stone stone on his own head. You've had a meal with him. You've seen God. You've had all these extraordinary God moments, and you still want more? What? Yeah, he wants more because he gets it. However much he has already known and seen and learned about God, he knows there is more. He's got God's favor so while I've got God's favor, give me, give me more. Show me more about you. There is always so much more incredible things to, to discover about our God. Moses gets that. He knows there are always, always so many more incredible things to discover about our God. At the beginning, when, when Moses is seeking God's favor in the first couple verses, he's like, God, I want your favor, so teach me. Teach me your ways so that I can have your favor. And now he's like, he has his favor. He's like, okay, now now show me more about you. Because there's a cycle here that Moses understands. He's like, okay, I, I experience, I see, I get a glimpse of God and his, and his awesomeness, his wonder, his, his, his gloriousness. And that drives me to want to know his ways God, teach me your ways so that I can find your favor. And then we get his favor, and then we're like, okay, we've got your favor. Teach me, or show me more about you, and then teach me more about you, more favor. And we see this, this could be this glorious cycle, but at any moment in this cycle, we can break off. God, show me more about you. Okay, so then teach me. Okay, te- okay you've taught me. Thank you for teaching me, but I'm not going to do that. And so I'm going to break the cycle, and I'm not going to step into your favor because I'm going to break the cycle. But I, you taught me, you told me how you want me to live, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Or we do that, and we, we, we enjoy the favor of God over our lives, but then we break the cycle, and we think, my life is great, praise me. And we forget that the source of the goodness, and we start being like, of course my life is, because I made these great decisions. Because, you know, things turned out all right, and, and, I, and we forget to, and so we, we break off, and it's, it said it, when, God, when life is going good, it's supposed to drive us to be like, okay, God, show me more. And, and, and we go into that, that cycle of show me more, and teach me, and then favor. That's, that's the cycle we, we, we're supposed to be wanting in, and so and that's, a, that's the cycle Moses is living in here. So he's got the favor, show me more, and then what's God's answer to, to show me your glory? He says, you have seen enough. No. Ha ha. Ha ha. He says, okay, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim the name Yahweh before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added... You cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. It's part of his compassion and grace. He's not going to let Moses see his face. Yahweh said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. Now you're looking forward to me showing you where this rock is, where Moses 
We have no idea. And I'm not going to make it up. It's a rock on the mountain. Okay, that's all we're going to go. Okay, so, so then, so then it, this is what he says is going to happen, and then this is what does happen. Ah, oh, just such a moment, right? Oh, verse, verse 4, verse 5 of chapter 34. Yahweh came down in a cloud, stood with him there. Some of my favorite four words in this passage, like, God's just standing with Moses there. Ah. Oh. He came down, came down, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, Yahweh, I am, I am, I am who I am. He proclaimed his name. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquities on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshipped. Then he said, my Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us. Even though this is a stiff-necked people, be who you are to us. Forgive. You said this is what you're like. Do, be that to us. Forgive our iniquity and sin and accept us as your own possession. Again, when, when God is revealing his name, the name that he wants to be remembered in every generation. We talked about this oh, a year ago, and you remember everything that I've ever said. And, and we talked about how he, he, he met God at the burning bush, and God said, this is my name, Yahweh. I want to be remembered by this name through all generations. Yahweh, my name is Yahweh. That is my name. It means I am who I am. Or I, I, I am the eternally consistent one. I am always consistent. What I was yesterday, I will be tomorrow. What I've always been. What you're reading about, I am the same. Yesterday, today, I am who I am. And I will be to you who I am because I am not changing. Like I am who I am. And so you can count on me being to you all that I am. What am I? Well, I, okay, thank you for saying that you, your name is I am. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. And I love it that God, when he brings clarity to himself, I am who I am, he leads with compassion, not terror. I am who I am, the great zapper of idiots. I, I squish jerks with my finger. No. But that's how sometimes we feel. We think that God is awesome. Okay, he leads with, I am so compassionate. I am so gracious. I am so forgiving. There is so much grace. And how much more we who have Jesus get to delight in God's consistency and that he is who he is and he leads with compassion. He has so much compassion for you. He has so much grace for you. And yeah, he's not going to leave the guilty unpunished. Uh, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And we can take, we can take um, delight in that, that God isn't just like a big huggy grandfather who, who, who just doesn't help with the evil that's going on in our lives and all this kind of stuff. He, he cares about that. But man, when God is leading and he wants you to understand what he's like, he always leads with, I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. Please know that I'm Old Testament God, which is the same as New Testament God because his name is Yahweh. He is who he is. Wow. What do you like? I, I, so, so we get this, we get this revelation. Moses gets this revelation. God, I want your favor. Let, but show me again how, how in, wow you are. 
show me your glory. And his glory passes by and he gets to learn. Teach me what you're like. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. We, we, we get to follow and we get to obey God uh, bravely as we go forward in life. Why, why would we do that? Why would we follow God with the, with the audacity that he often asks us to? Because we see him. We glimpse how amazing he is, and we know that what we really want in this moment is to pursue his favor in the challenges of our lives. Our lives may be difficult or may be challenged, but we want God to go with us forward in, in whatever we're going through. Why do we do what God wants us to do? Because God is awesome, and we want his favor. That's why. That's why. Because God is awesome and we want His favor. Why do we keep going in life, walking with God when we feel like giving up? Because God is awesome and we want His favor. Why do we keep waiting for God when it seems like nothing is happening? Why not just do our own thing? Well, because God is awesome and we want His favor. That's why we keep waiting when He asks us to wait. Why do we keep following God when it doesn't seem to be making any difference right now in our lives? Because God is awesome and we want his favor. Why do we keep passing up opportunities that, that are ungodly but look so enticing? And so right now, well, because God is awesome and we, and we want his favor. Why do we take the risks in faith uh, pursuing the things that he directs us towards? Well, because God is awesome and we want his favor. Why do we keep giving, let's say, 10% of, of money to the church or whatever? To, why do we do that when we have so much financial needs and desires of our own? Well, because God is awesome and we want his favor in our life. Why do we serve at the church, keep showing up and serving at the church when, when we're so tired and there's so much else going on? Because, because we, we see God is awesome and and worth every effort and, 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 and worth it all. Why do we keep bravely following God when, when, there's, when life is hard enough already? Because God is awesome. And we want his favor in our lives. Now, family, there is a really disturbing global reality going on with Jesus's, with our family here. Jesus' family. Okay, global, that might be an overstatement. Okay, in the West. In the West, I'm not speaking about the globe, but in the West, and you're re you can read about this, you can see about it all over, reading articles or whatever. These last couple years have been traumatic. <laughs> you're like, yes. Uh, they've been traumatic, they, they've been unnerving, they've been exhausting, they've been unsettling, people feel shaken, people have not been at their best, and people are rightly evaluating, reevaluating their lives and their priorities and what they do with their time, and, and they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to get on top of the chaos and, and the shaking of this last, this last year. But what's been so sad is the high percentage of people in our family in the West doing the classic biblical mistake. And I'm referring to Haggai chapter 1. Just read the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1 and you'll see a, a very clear example. There's many in the Bible. But the, what, what people are doing in the West is they are trying to rebuild their lives first. They're trying to get a grip on their lives first, and they're trying to get their homes together, and they're trying to get their job stuff sorted and priorities. First. They're trying to get their life pace sorted, you know, make sure they have a lot of me time. And then, if there's energy or time or anything left over, then they'll start to eventually get to the God stuff, the Jesus stuff, the church stuff, you know, all that. But, but, but the, first they got to get their, their home situation solid, and then maybe with whatever's left they'll set forth. And the results are, again, people from our family all around the Western world, our people are showing up way less frequently at church, serving way less frequently at church. 
churches all around. It, it is this, this global, or not global, this Western thing that we're seeing everywhere because people are prioritizing their life pace first and they're pushing all the God priorities way down because they feel shaken. And we understand why they feel shaken. They, they feel scared, right? We understand that. But they don't realize the value of prioritizing pursuing the favor of God. And how having the favor of God impacts every aspect of the, the aspects of their lives that they're worried about, they're stressed about, that they're feeling overwhelmed by. When you put God first, when you put the God things first, His favor wonderfully impacts uh, everything. When God's not first, his, day, his favor just doesn't flow in the same way. People are trying to build, rebuild their lives, but they're getting it backwards. And, and there's, 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 there's sadness there over our family. I was talking to somebody in America who was telling me about this um, tragic conversation he had with his son. This pushes all of my buttons, okay? This pushes all my buttons. So um, COVID happened. I don't know if you noticed. COVID happened and happened in America too, global thing apparently. And uh, their church closed for a time. Well, eventually their church reopened, but they didn't go back. They didn't go back for a while. For a while, they, they did their jobs. Uh, they did their jobs. They, they spent time with friends as was allowed. They did stuff allowed generally, but they just didn't feel comfortable or safe or worth the risk to go back to church and be a part of the, 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 the church thing because, you know, they want to be free for their jobs and, and, and all, everything else. They didn't want to get sick, and, and, you know, church seemed like too big of a risk. So they stayed away just to be safe. And plus, online is fantastic, right? I mean, I, I don't even know why you're here because, you know, no, I know. Online is good. Online is good, but it's not the same. And yet they, they, they felt like it was so much less stressful. You don't have to worry about getting the kids dressed and get out the door. All that, all that the jokes, I mean, they're not jokes. I'm, well, yeah, I'm a parent. The jokes about the challenge of getting kids, you know, dressed and changed and off the door and, and out to school and then being like, all the conflict on the, in the car on the way to church, and then, and then we get there and we're like, ah, yes, it's a great week, you know, so, so good. Like, families have discovered in the last year and a half here that actually clicking on the TV is way easier, um, way easier. But finally, anyways, back to this family, uh, this, this, they decided to start going back to church. And they're like, okay, we're going to go back to church. And the son said, why? Why would I do that? And dad's like, because... Because it's important. <laughs> and the son just scoffed in his face. The son just scoffed right at him. And, and, and he said something like, you, you can't convince me anymore that church is important. I've seen what's important to you in these years. I've seen what you've done. And I've seen what you Your job's important to you. But you you're doing that. Your health is important to you. You're, you're, you're definitely making your decisions based on your health and your availability for your job and all that. Being around God's people, worshiping together with God's people, serving God's people in church, loving being together and praying for and, 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 and gathering together with, with God's people, that's definitely not high on your list of importance. It's way below everything else. And his son just walked away from the faith. It's like, my, it's not, apparently it's not as important as job, health, and all that kind of stuff. Wasn't worth it to our family. I, I hate that story. It, it, it irritates me. I pray so much for every kid in our church. This isn't in our church, but every kid in our church. That, that would, they would always love Jesus. They would always walk in. They'd always know the joy of, of following God. But he, he, his son walked away because 
his parents showed their true values. This is a moment, though, it, this has been a year, a year and a half, where, where we have been showing our true priorities. And many of our family in the West have, have, um, real, have shown that the God stuff isn't up there. Isn't up there as much as they would have, have claimed. And, and they're aiming to get their lives first, and, and yet they're going to step into the church of the God stuff when they feel more ready. When they feel less anxious. Less, 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 less stressed, less, less anxious, less, less tired. When I feel less tired, when I, when I feel like it's, it's more doable, then we'll get back to the God stuff and the God stuff regularly, and, and maybe we'll start helping, helping again. But that's not how it works with God. Now, I'm glad that you're here because I can talk about, you, you're here, right? That, that's great. But, but that's not how it works with God and his priorities. Again, Haggai chapter 1, just, just scan through it. I hope that you can grieve with me for what's happening in the West. What, what, what's happening with our family out there. We need to pray for our family who, who, are, who are trying to get on top of their lives. And we want them to get on top of their lives. We want them to get things settled in their lives. And yet they're doing it backwards and they're trying to do it without pursuing the favor of God first. And it's, and, and it's, and it's struggling. They're, they're try, you know, they get the job stuff first, but when are they going to get to the Jesus stuff? What you want right now, what you need right now, is God's favor. And, and, and the more we glimpse, the more gl Moses glimpses what God is like, the more he realizes whatever I do going forward from here, whatever challenges in my future, I really want God's favor more than anything in my life going, going forward right now. I mean, I get it, though. The, the, the desire for comfort and safety and convenience and all that life pace or whatever, it's become more important than, 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 than serving and, and helping and, and, and all that kind of stuff when it comes to God's people. And also, you know, the confusion is, so we keep thinking that church is about what we get. And what do we get at church? Phenomenal preaching. <laughs> Extraordinary worship. Okay, we do, we do. I, I, I. But, but you know what the Bible is prioritizing when it comes to church? Hebrews chapter 11 or something like that. Hebrews chapter 10 to 11. Uh, togetherness. The assembly together, the, the encouraging one another. The, the, the supporting one another, the loving one another, the supporting, encouraging, helping. The, 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 like the togetherness. The, the togetherness is what the Bible keeps prioritizing. And not neglecting meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews chapter 10, 25. So we're made to run together, we're made to run together, and, and so many of our family have been missing out on that. Pursuing the favor of God is worth pushing through the tiredness. Pursuing the favor of God is worth the effort. Pursuing the favor of God is worth the inconvenience. Pursuing the favor of God is worth the risk. Pursuing the favor of God, is, it, it, it's worth it. God is wow. God's incredible. God's extraordinary. And according to 2 Chronicles 16, 9, God is searching. His eyes are searching throughout the entirety of planet Earth to strengthen, to help, to encourage, to build up, to, to, to intervene positively with those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed to him. He's looking to encourage those people. And I, I say it all the time. It is my passion to see God help you. I want God's favor in your life. I want God to help you. And so I want God, I want all the overwhelmedness in your life to be transformed into overwhelming joy. 
Because God has helped you. Because God has guided you. Because God has assisted in, in whatever you need. So I can't say it more strongly. Seek his favor. Run after him. Run after him. And again in that cycle, you get glimpses of God. Then you hear about what it is that, that draws his favor. And then you do it. And you get experience more of his favor. Drawing in that, in that circle. I encourage you to pray for our family in the West. In the West. Help, pray that they get back to the God stuff and and that they, they, yeah, they, they just rebuild. And for the healing of homes and families and, and kids. Um, I'm proud of you for being here. I, I, I know that this, is a, this has been a weird era. And, it, and it, it's, you know, there's a lot of anxieties about things still, even to this day. Uh, maybe not with you, but other people. And uh, I really do appreciate you, you being here. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that you've taken the time to be here. The challenge today is I want you to write a declaration of your intent to seek the favor of God. Jesus, God of the Bible, I want to seek your favor. I'm going I'm to determine to prioritize you and, and your people and I'm to live how you want me to live. Also, the bonus challenge is if you want to cross-check what I just said with the Bible, just read the first 11 verses of Haggai and it will be so clear. It's exactly what I'm saying. First 11 verse of Haggai. Just the, the difference between putting your life together with God first versus trying to do it yourself first until you get to the God side. Haggai chapter 1. I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our family uh, around, the, around the West. And uh, so God, Father, I, I pray that you will be to us who you are, who you eternally are, gracious, compassionate, compassionate and gracious. Forgiving, wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. Iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I ask for your extraordinary grace over, over all of us who have, who have stumbled into the rebuild process, getting things out of order. I pray for your compassion, your, your mercy, and your grace. And now, God, I just pray that you would uh, help us to teach us your ways so that we can walk in, in a way that does see your favor pour in our lives. Show us your glory. Show us your favor. Maybe you want to recommit your life to pursuing God first. Or maybe you want to dedicate your life to following Jesus for the first time. I suggest praying something like this. God, here I am. Henceforth, from this point forward, I will make you number one in my life. Jesus, I will follow you. You will be my king. You will be my highest priority Forgive me. Whether things go good for me or don't go good for me, I'm going to run after you because you are you. And that's, that's amazing. Again, forgive me, fill me with your spirit. Lead me forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.